Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, I want to open with a verse of Scripture this morning from the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 1, and I want you to pay special attention to it because I'm going to build onto it in a moment. Galatians 6 and verse 1 says, Brothers, that includes sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, in other words, strong in the Lord, should restore him. I want you to notice those words. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Do you know that any one of us at any time can find ourselves trapped, broken down, or shriveled spiritually, emotionally, or financially, and trapped in circumstances from which we cannot get free. But I love the words here, restore him. God is a God of restoration. He always wants to fix that which is broken or damaged. He doesn't just leave it. He wants to restore us, and he wants us, as you can see here, to be agents of restoration. Are you an agent of restoration? You can't be unless you are experiencing restoration in your own life. And you take two steps forward and one step back. That's how life is. But God's a God of restoration. And I want to speak to you today on trusting the God of restoration. Trusting the God of restoration. You've got to fully trust that no matter what you lose, God will restore it in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in your emotions, in your relationships, what is lost can be restored if you trust the God who wants to restore. And you know, you can sometimes accept where you are instead of believing for restoration. Isn't it amazing how obsessed we are with all these television programs, uh, home improvement TV, do you watch HGTV? And uh, you just, you know, it's fascinating to watch these programs because uh, they take rundown houses and they redo them and it inspires us with what can be. Isn't that true? There's, there's a flip or flop, hometown and uh, no demo, reno, just to quote a few. And we love them because they inspire us with something that's broken down can be fixed. For the men, you may have watched Rust Valley Restorers. A Canadian group of guys, and on TV they, they have this series, and they take rusty cars, they, they, they're ready for the scrap heap, and they restore them. Quite marvelous what they do. And here's the thing, if a group of men like them, a sort of ragtag bunch of men from Rust Valley Restorers can do it, how much more can God restore our lives? There's something inspiring about restoration, and you need to not just watch it on television, but believe God for it yourself. And you can be in church and settle for where you are instead of believing God for restoration. With that in mind, I want to read a key text. I'm going to make three comments about it and observations. And then I'm going to give you six things that we need to do as we trust the God of restoration. At least you know where I'm going. I'm not like God beyond understanding. I am clear and simple. And today I want to help you. So let's read from Matthew chapter 12. The Lord spoke to me from Luke's gospel, but I'm going to choose Matthew today to read this verse because this was a word to me. As I read it, I, was, I need to speak on this. 
And it says here, going on from that place, Jesus says he went into the synagogue. Jesus was a church man. He often attended church. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Shriveled. Luke says it was withered. And it says, and they were looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, and I want you to notice the significance. Every, every sentence in the Bible is significant. He says here, uh, Jesus asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? You see, people say we evolved from animals. No, we didn't. We are much more valuable than sheep. We're a little bit lower than the angels. Stop buying into the world's narrative about our origins and our purpose on this planet. You've got to keep getting back to the Bible, what it says about us, why we're here, who created us, and where we're destined for. And here Jesus emphasizes that you and I are valuable, and guess what? He wants to restore us. Well, he, he said to the man, uh, therefore is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored. Don't you love those words? Completely restored. That's what Jesus does for lives. He completely restores them. And it goes on to say here, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. And you know what? Whenever you are negative or close to God, he will withdraw from you. He is a gentleman. God doesn't force himself on anyone. He responds to faith. But I love what it goes on to say here. It says, a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Here was a man who lost his ability his hand, and, and Luke says it was his right hand. Being a doctor, he would notice things like that. Luke says that he lost the use of his right hand. His ability to create and generate wealth and take care of himself had been shriveled. How many of you know over the last two years, our ability to create and generate has shriveled, and we've been hindered in our ability to move forward and take hold of life? It has been shriveled up. But I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to restore it. And it doesn't just happen as you stand around waiting for the government to make decrees. It happens as you step forward and you say, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to be a person who believes God for healing. I'm going to trust the God of restoration. That's one of the qualities God has. It's not just Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He's a God who restores. And all through the Bible, it tells us that. And if any area of your life is shriveled today or withered today, you need to believe God for restoration. Can you say amen? Three observations from this text. And, and I want you to notice these things are important this morning. We can be listening but still be in need. Luke says that they were, Jesus was actually teaching, and he says the Pharisees were sitting and listening. You can listen online and still be in need. You can even sit in the building and still be in need. You've got to reach out and receive from God, and you can be a churchgoer and have your life shriveled up when God wants to touch you. I love the fact that this man was in the right place. And you'll notice something here. He had a shriveled hand, but the Pharisees had shriveled hearts. And you can be in church with a shriveled heart. 
Make sure your body isn't shriveled, your finances aren't shriveled, and your heart and mind aren't shriveled. But you stretch out and touch God. The second observation is the man had to participate in the restoration. We participate. He said, stretch out your hand. In other words, don't hide your need. Bring it to the Lord and then expect something to happen. Don't just be in church with your need. Trust God to do something way beyond your need. And the third observation here is our restoration has a better chance of happening when we are in church. How's that for a thought? Hmm? Online this morning? It's comfortable at home, but it's not the same. You have a better chance of receiving if you're in church. That man was in church. There were shriveled hearts, but Jesus asked him to make his need known, to participate, and a change took place, and he was healed. And, uh, you know, I've discovered that when you come to church, the first thing you do is you have to get into your car. It's an effort. There's a, there's a sense maybe you're a little bit of fear even sometimes, uh, depending on, on your circumstance. But, you know, all those things are like leaning in. And then by the time you, like, like today when we prayed, how many of you when we prayed today believe God? It wasn't like, oh, he's praying again. I want to sit down. If you felt like that, you've got a shriveled heart. But most people would be, amen. Yeah, and it's different. I know, we were sat in our lounge together trying to sing with the TV, and then I'm out of key, and Vilma looks at me like, mm. Cal toned down a bit, and then I'll just enjoy the worship, you know, watching on the screen. But when you're in the building, something happens. There's a dynamism. There's a, there's a sense of His presence. You feel like bringing your need. And there's a greater chance of your need being met when you're in church and a greater chance of restoration once you get back in the building. And I believe we're on the brink of restoration in South Africa in the church. I can't say much about the country. That's a different matter, and we'll take that to God in prayer. And that's His business. We'll play our part. But when it comes to the church on the earth, that's what we are meant to be focused on. So let me give you six things here about trusting the God of restoration. And you need to remember these things. I have taught on them before, but I want to speak on them again. And it's not because I don't have anything to speak about. I believe this is the now word of the Lord. Number one, God allows trouble, but has promised to restore again. You can think when there's trouble, how can God let trouble happen if he's a God of restoration? No, things rust. Cars rust. Houses fall down. But God is a God who expects us to trust him for restoration. We're living under the fall. And Israel believed in the God of restoration. They trusted in his promises. Even when they were banished to Babylon, they believed his promises. Why? Because he spoke about the fact that before trouble came, he would restore again. Deuteronomy chapter 30, in speaking in the law, the Lord says you will disobey. Trouble will come into your life. I'll pick it up from verse 3. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. I love that phrase. And have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Gosh, eh? And they would remember that and hold on to it and pray for it, that God was a God who would restore their fortunes. I want to ask you today, are you in business? Maybe you earn a salary. Do you believe that phrase, that God can restore your fortunes? Sounds so materialistic. Sounds so prosperity gospel. But it's so Bible. It's a promise. I will restore your fortunes. 
He didn't say, I'll restore your bread. You will have one or two slices and you will praise the Lord. No, I will restore your fortunes. And I love it, the psalmist would hold on to that. They would have grown up as Jews, remembering those promises of the God of Israel, Jehovah Jireh. And they would remember he's not just a provider, but he's a restorer of that which is lost. Psalm 85 and verse 1, you, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. Here's the psalmist recounting what God has done. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your first fierce anger. Now he says, restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. You did it before. You did it based on your promises. Lord, do it again. Doesn't matter how many setbacks we have, we'll keep trusting for a comeback. We'll keep trusting for restoration. Can you say amen? And you know, even when your life has been devastated, God promises that he will restore. The prophet Joel, uh, God spoke to him and said, I want you to declare this to my people. And I want you to notice the language in Joel chapter 2. After a time of devastation, restoration was promised. Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, in the American Standard Version, the Lord says, I will restore you the years that the locust hath eaten. That's the flying thing in the air. The cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. Those are the ones who crawl under. What's crawling under and flying over you? God says, I'm going to restore all those creatures and things that have crept into your life and eaten away. Because sometimes everyone can see the locusts, but some of us have got worms eating holes in our souls. And we need to trust God for full restoration. He says, it's my great army which I sent among you. I allowed it as a form of judgment, he says. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and shall praise the name of Jehovah your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Never think that if the locust has eaten away your life, the cankerworm, the palmer worm, and there are holes in your life that you are beyond repair. There is no such thing as beyond repair. God is a restorer. He puts back that which has been removed. And he says here, he will deal wondrously and you will be satisfied. So God allows troubles, but we're never beyond repair. You know, the words beyond repair are, some, are words that an artist on YouTube uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, consider uh, impossible. You know, there's no such thing as beyond repair. And uh, his name is Restore Machines. He's got over 500,000 subscribers. And he repairs rusty and abandoned model cars. And he completely restores them. When they were ready for the bin, he brings them out. And you know what? This man has the skill to see beyond. And he has the vision and the ability. How much more God when he looks at your life? There's no such thing as beyond repair. He will deal wondrously with you in Jesus' name. Number two, the second thing is this. Restoration is received by faith and obedience. We can aid restoration or we can hinder it. It takes faith to believe or to trust the God of restoration, but we also participate. The man stretched forth his hand. And we have to do certain things if we want to restore our lives, if we want to see our finances and our businesses 
and we want to see our church restored, there's certain things we have to do. We can't just stand saying, I wonder when it's going to happen. Do you remember Naaman the Syrian? The Bible tells us in the book of Kings that he was a man who was a commander and he was highly respected, but he had leprosy. He came to Elisha and he thought Elisha would wave his hand over him, but Elisha didn't come out and do anything dramatic. He told him to dip in the Jordan seven times. He got angry because he said, I've got better rivers where I live, cleaner. And uh, the Jordan, if you've been to Israel, is quite murky. It's like the Yixke. When I got to Israel, I was quite disappointed. I was like, is this the Jordan? And people come to Israel to get baptized. Okay, I'm glad I was baptized at home. I was, I was really disappointed. You know, it's the kind of, you expect like a spiritual experience, like you could see to the bottom. I can understand why Naaman was peeved. And he said, you know, stalk, stormed off, but a woman encouraged him to go back. Now, here's the thing. He was told to dip seven times. Do you know that sometimes your restoration comes when you do the ordinary over and over and over and over? Like coming back to church and sitting in church and getting back into the routine of sitting under the water of the word and under the ordinariness of worship. Sometimes you don't always enjoy the songs. No, that's not one of my favorites. Why didn't they sing that one? And the ordinary, you don't realize it, but it starts to restore you. Now, I want you to notice here, because I want to read this text. It's powerful. You've got to read the Bible, and some of you know this text so well, but some of you don't. And in 2 Kings 5, it says this, Elisha sent a messenger, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be what? Restored, and you will be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Here was this guy with ugliness, broken, cracked, and wrinkled, and he, he must have looked a sight, dressed up in fancy uniform, and God irons out all the wrinkles and the ugliness. How? Not by ha 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 or hoo hoo hoo. No. I feel stupid doing this. I hope no one's watching or knows me. You just keep coming back to church. You just dip into the ordinary. And you know what happens? You suddenly start to see the miraculous. Restoration takes place. And you know where the first restoration takes place? It's not always in your body or in your finances. First happens in your mind, then your heart. Then it seeps into the other areas of your life. And we really have to, in faith and obedience, believe God for our healing, for our marriage to be restored, our finances, our business, I want to encourage you to not forsake the ordinary. Don't get into the pattern as we have got over nearly two years now of just sitting, hearing a good message. Sometimes it speaks to you, sometimes it doesn't. You've got to participate and immerse yourself in the things of God and in the ordinary, the supernatural will take place. And here's what I love. Uh, he came out better than before. He came out clean like a young boy. You know, it would have been okay if he just came out, a, if he was 40 or 30, if he had come out with, how many of you know if you've got sores all over your hand, you're very glad if it gets back to just normal. Now he came back looking younger, like he'd had Lancome or oil of Olay or one of those, you know, that the ladies, it's funny how when the ladies do their eyes, they always do this. It's like you open your mouth in case it goes inside. <laughs> He came out looking younger. 
Boy, number three, are you still with me today? Online at home, are you watching and listening? Believe for restoration, even if you messed up your life. You know, sometimes we mess up our lives and then we don't believe because, well, it was my fault. And God, you know, God's clapping me and I just got to take it. Now, even if you messed up, God wants to restore you. He knows how foolish and weak we are. If you messed up your own business through lack of diligence or through bad decisions or through lack of wisdom, God wants to restore you. If your marriage has failed, don't say, well, you know, it was my fault. Trust God to repair that which is broken. We all mess up. If anyone, that's why I read the text in Galatians, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you are a spiritual go and restore. We help each other get back to God's best. And so even if you messed up, David understood it. He had messed up his life. He had taken a woman he shouldn't have. He killed her husband. And now judgment came on his home. Absalom, his son, revolts against him. And he has a band of people that join Absalom. And he's on the run from his own home. And he messed up. But he never stopped trusting God because he knew that God is a God who restores those who trust him. And I want you to believe God today even if you deserve the trouble that you're in. Look what he says as he's walking along. Remember, he's walking along in the valley and a man comes up on the slight hill next to him, shimmy eyes his name, and he starts calling curses down on David and he's throwing dirt at him. And David's got men with him who say, shall we just go up and take off his head? How many of you want to be able to walk through the streets of Joburg and have someone say, Pastor Andre, would you just like me to just take off his head? Because sometimes we get sent, we, we can't even walk in, in the dark. Even going into Santon today, you're a little bit worried. If someone's going to snatch your bag or do something to you. Here's this David walking and he's got men around him and he says, no. And I want you to notice what he says. I love the words here. 2 Samuel 16. He says, perhaps the Lord will see my affliction and restore goodness to me instead of Shimei's curses today. Do you believe that even if you deserve it, God will restore goodness? None of us deserves it. We get caught in business traps. We get caught in uh, emotional traps, spiritual traps, sexual traps. But we've got to trust God for restoration. Don't accept where you are because it's your fault. Trust God today. Number four, I love this. God's restoration is always more and better than before. You think you've lost and it's really good enough just to get what you lost back. Now God always restores with more and better. That's what he did for Naaman. Naaman's flesh was that of a young boy. Man, it would have been good enough just to be healed, but he was healed and he, had, he had probably had two young arms. When he went home, his, his wife must have said to him, my, my word, put that arm around my neck. Look at you. What happened to you? See, no one waved a hand over him. It was the ordinary that he believed for, and he was healed. You remember in John chapter 2, when Jesus did his first miracle, he turned water into wine. What did they say at that wedding feast? You've kept the best. It's the last. And there were six stone jars. I saw a Catholic painting of it, with all respect to the Catholic Church, you know, the, the, the Byzantine time. It's interesting, you see Jesus... Uh, performs the miracle, and you see the water pots, they're like this big. It's like, hmm. But most other paintings, they are stone water jars. The Bible tells you how many gallons were in there, and they were used for washing, just like a bath. You need a lot of water. You take it out with a pan. You pour it over your feet. 
They needed a lot of water. Jesus turned a lot into Merlot. 20-year-old Merlot that's got that smoothness. Let me not lead you into temptation, but deliver you from evil. It was the better that was restored when they ran out. Are you with me? The Bible speaks of restoration so much, and you need to believe for more and better. Can you say amen? And God's not the God who doesn't get restoration right. There's a church in Colombia. They have a statue of a saint called San Antonio de Padua. And in this picture, you will see that the statue in the center was in bad state of repair. So they commissioned an artist to restore it. But he never had the skill. And so he decided to make the saint look like Kim Kardashian. And now the people in Colombia in that parish are highly upset because they say, he looks like a woman. He's a bit effeminate. You don't have the skill to restore. You see, God's restoration is not worse than before. God's restoration is it looks like it was brand new. And he wants to restore us, not half measure, where we come out, gee, I can see, I can see, yeah, yeah, I can see God's done a work in you. No, more than, more and better. More and better. Do you believe for this today? Job chapter 42. Job prayed for his friends and the Lord, watch this, restored his fortunes. Are you seeing that phrase in the Bible? In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. You see, we can't sink into self-pity and start questioning and asking why. Why did I get COVID? Why did people in my family die? I know it's an incredible tragedy, and our hearts bleed with you for loss. There are people in our church who have died, but we can't get into self-pity. We have to move forward, and we have to believe for restoration, and we have to believe that it can be more and better than before. You know, when you study the Hebrew, the Hebrew tells you a lot about the meaning of Scripture, it brings out more than the English. And I don't know if you know that when there is I am at the end of any Hebrew word, it is always plural. And I discovered that the word death is the word Shabbat or Shabbat. Um, it's singular, but the word life is mayim, which is plural. So death or loss is singular. Remember that, it stops. But life is ongoing, ongoing. Isn't that true? Now watch, you all know this verse, but having said that, you'll get a better understanding. It says here in John chapter 10 and verse 10, most people know this, the thief comes only to steal, singular, kill, singular, and destroy, singular. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. It's got to keep on going. So don't feel that if something singular has happened, that that is the end of your life. Believe for life and life more abundantly. Restoration more and better than it was before. Gosh, I love how God can heal and restore. And uh, interestingly, I'd come across a documentary. I'm not sure if I'd shared this with you some time back. I seem to recollect that I'd read it before. But there was a documentary on locusts, and they say that when locusts have swept over a field and devoured it, later on when that field starts to grow again, it heals more in the next two years than it would have been healed in, the seven, in seven years had it not been eaten. And they say the reason is this. 
the locusts eat that field, but they generally end up dying on the same area of land, and their death leads to fertilization, which brings forth a greater yield. Now, you know what fertilizer is. There are many other words for fertilizer. So when your life has been devoured, that which devoured your life will be the fertilizer for blessing and a greater yield. God restores more and better. Can you believe for that today? Or are you settling where you are? Number five, we need to believe for it and work towards it. You mustn't just believe for it, you've got to work towards it. You say, oh, sounds like work. Yep, it is. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are so afraid to mention the word work in case we attack grace. But no, no, we're saved by grace, but we work out our salvation. And we've got to participate with God when things have been destroyed. I was, uh, how many of you remember Dr. Michael Maiden? the prophetic ministry that came, still a lovely man, him and his wife, and uh, I follow him on Instagram. And I noticed he posted just yesterday, and it was such a resonance in my own heart, having prepared this message. But he said the word of the, the Lord gave him was from 1 Samuel 30, when David had all his, remember he had Ziglag, he had all his possessions stolen, and they took away his wives and his children and ransacked, and, and, and the Lord gave him a word when he sought the Lord, pursue, overtake, you will recover. I feel that's a word of the Lord for us. Pursue, you see? God didn't just say you will recover. If you just wait, it'll come back to you. No, no, you have to work for recovery. So pursue, overtake that which has robbed you, and then recover. Restoration. And that's what we have to do. We have to work for it. Now, in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul speaks to the church, and it's almost like he's annoyed with them. You, you know, you've lost your, your walk with God. Pastor Bulma quoted this verse actually last week. You've lost your walk with God. You're in a place that's not good. Something must have happened on their journey. Familiarity, staleness, dullness, pride. I don't know all the things that you read about in the book of Corinthians. And Paul is upset with them and he writes to them and he talks to them about restoration. I want you to notice the language here because this is what God expects from us. Are you all with me? 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. If you're listening at home, note this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Are you still a Christian? Yes, I watched church online. And there were Pharisees in church with withered hearts. Let's not forget. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully Restored. In other words, get back to where you once were. Now watch. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. In other words, don't settle for lukewarm Christianity or consumer Christianity, but press in and trust God and expect a complete transformation in your life so that you'll get back to the place you once were, where you can sense His presence, where when you speak in tongues, there's a flow of the Holy Ghost, when when you're in prayer, God's presence is there. Not a knowledge about God, but an experience of God coupled to a knowledge of God. 
You know, COVID has drained us. The locust has flown over. The canker worm and the palmer worm have come under. And some people's lives are full of holes. But we've got to work and trust God to get back. It's not just going to happen. Stretch forth your hand. There's a participation in it. And it happens. You know, sometimes your life can become so weather-beaten and so dry that the water of the Word just rolls off. That's the difference between a desert and a forest. The water runs off. In fact, I was reading this interesting story. A man by the name of Sebastio Salgado and his wife, Layla, they lived in Africa for a number of years, but he actually grew up on a farm, 1,750 acres in Brazil, a lush farm. It was a forest forested farm, and uh, while he was away in Africa, he, his father started cutting down the trees and growing crops just to survive. You know, you can attack these people as anti-environmentalists. They are trying to survive. This man's father cut down all the trees and uh, survived, and then his father gave him the farm. His father retired, and he took it over. When he took it over, he said it was like a desert. The water ran off the soil and there was no retention. So you know what him and his wife did over nearly 20 years? It varies depending on what Google search you do. They planted over 2 million trees. Today, as you can see there, in 2019, that picture was taken, it is a lush forest, and there is water retention because they planted and restored the land. What are you planting in your life that will restore the retention of the water of the word? Are you planting the seeds of the word? Are you planting God's word? Or are you planting news media? Are you planting worldly? Uh, I'm, I'm shocked at what Christians uh, actually promote and, and, and say on social media. And, and it's considered we're supposed to rejoice with them. Stop. I'm about to go on, on another trail, but it's for, it's for another time. If you're a Christian, God's word is what you should plant. God's values is what you should plant. And if you want to restore your life and have water retention, you've got to do what that couple has done. Otherwise, you will live in a desert. And, uh, you know, there was only 0.05% of that land that had trees. Now it's completely forested. Your life can be completely restored if you participate with God. I don't know if you've heard of the bent stick principle or the bent, what they call the bent stick remedy, but a man called Roger Chamberlain quotes it, and I've heard it before. This is what you have to do if you want to correct something. He says, he that rectifies a crooked stick bends it the contrary way. In other words, you bend it in the opposite way. He said, so must he that would reform a vice learn to affect its mere contrary and in time he shall see the springing blossoms of a happy restoration. If you see something in your life that's bent, you can't just leave it and pray about it. You've got to bend it almost opposite way. And as you overemphasize, you'll find the middle ground. So if you're lacking in the word, don't just now, I think I better read occasionally. No, you need to swallow the word in doses, almost like medication. You haven't read the Bible for a while? You need to actually set aside three hours and read through one whole gospel with a pen and a highlighter. You bend the stick back. Otherwise, restoration won't take place. You will always live impoverished with holes in your life. Number six, and you knew this would be number six, as I come to a close, and it tells me my altar call time is 1 minute 37. Shush. Number six, are you being helped by the word today? Number six is church gatherings aid our spiritual restoration. You need to know that. 
Church gatherings aid our restoration. You might remember in Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers that Jesus healed. He told them to go and show yourselves to the priest. It was done remotely. It was done online, if you like. But guess what? One man came back, and he wasn't only healed. The Bible implies that he was restored. And Jesus asks, he asks this question, were not 10 healed? Where are the other nine? I think God's asking that question today. Were there not 12 to 15,000 people at Rivers Church? Now, we can't get them all in now, but I would have liked to have been able to say, you know what, we're having 15 services in order to accommodate government numbers. But if you don't get back into the house, God can't work restoration. And that man came back, listen, to give glory to God. Church is not just about receiving a message. Then, you know, we shouldn't even bother with the building. Why run all this? Why have all these volunteers and all these staff and all this effort? We could just have it online because if it's ultimately just getting a message, it's a much easier thing to do. Give me a camera in a small room. In fact, you can even move it to my house. We wouldn't even have to pay security here. Are you hearing me today? We've got to get back into the presence of God where we come firstly not to get a message, but to give glory to God that he has saved us. And as we give glory, guess what? Your life gets restored. Restoration takes place as you give glory to God. And that one man, he got completely restored. The others, their leprosy was just stopped, but they never got restoration. Church services aid us in this thing, and we need to get back. It's the power of God and the power of people. And I want you to just remind you as I close you in a moment, Galatians 6 and verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should what? Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you do be tempted. How can you do that online? You can't. You can only do it if you're in person, if you're in a connect group, if there's connection of some kind, if there's belonging in the body, we can work together. We need community. Two quotes and then I'm going to pray with you. Author is Deborah Day. She wrote a book called Be Happy Now. She said this, connecting with those you know, love, like, and appreciate you restores the spirit and gives you energy to keep moving forward in this life. When you know people love, like, and uh, appreciate you, it does something for you that can't happen by just hearing a message. Nadia Boltz-Weber, she's a Lutheran, Lutheran pastor. She's a little bit liberal, but I like what she said in one of her writings. She said, Jesus does not just cure people's diseases and cast out their demons and then say, mission accomplished. He is always after something more than that because the healing is never fully accomplished until there is a restoration to community. The man with the withered hand would not have experienced healing had he not been in church that day. He experienced it because he was there. He participated in the ordinariness, and then there was healing. Which area of your life needs restoration today? I'm sure there are many people in this building and watching me online who need restoration. You need to trust for it, but you also need to work for it. You need to believe God and participate. In the ordinariness of what you do, God will work. And as I close this morning, I want you to trust God. In fact, I want to say two things to you. Fully trust God and get back into church. Get back into church. A disappointing thing for me as I look online and, and see that people you know, book seats and then 
it, it, it happening, it's happening on all our campuses. Up to 30% of people who booked the morning of church give it up. What came up that was so important? Was it the sun? <laughs> or did you not make a discipleship commitment to come and give glory to God that he has cleansed you from your sin? We need to start getting back to the place where we really are committed. Now let me leave it there because there's enough conviction. And let me end on a good note. When Jesus was in that synagogue, there were two groups of people. One followed him and responded to him. The others criticized him and were cynical. Guess what? Jesus withdrew from that group, but he responded to the other. And you know, when you, when you, when you respond to God, restoration takes place. Uh, we came across these pictures of, of, of faded photographs. And there's a, she's, a, she's a Ukrainian girl. She restores these pictures. And uh, when, when we saw these pictures, the thought occurred to me was God sees the image of what you were like before you were damaged. He sees the image of God on your life. He doesn't see your sin and, and your degradation and your lostness. He sees the image that you were once, and he is able to restore that image better than any person can. And today, if you're lost through sin, broken through sin, damaged, if you're watching me online, you can come to Christ, and he sees the original, and guess what? He wants to do more and better than before. Close your eyes with me across the room this morning, and we're going to pray. If you're here today and you need to recommit your life, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he told them to work at restoration. Maybe today you need to say, yes, amen. I'm coming back full on, giving God every chance to restore the desert of my life, the holes. Lord, do a work of restoration in me. If that's your heart cry, in a moment I'm going to pray for you. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you the image of God in your life has been damaged by sin. You're not right with God. You're not automatically on your way to heaven. You need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And He hung on a cross, paid for your sins with His blood, that you might be restored to God in your relationship with Him, and that you might be given the gift of eternal life. If today you say, I believe in Jesus, I want Him in my life, I want my life restored, I want the gift of salvation, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. It takes a short prayer and a trust in God. The Bible says if you believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead and that He's paid for your sins and you confess it, you will be saved. So we're going to pray in a moment. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to make you stand up or call you out. I'm just going to say this. Just put your hand up if you would like me to pray for you. And we're going to pray in a moment. We're going to pray a prayer, a short prayer, that will connect you to God and restore your relationship with Him. Raise your hand quickly. Say, yeah, that's me today. I know God's called me. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. If you've raised your hand, you can put it down. Those who haven't raised your hands, but you know you should, put your hand up quickly. This is not about me. This is about you and your eternal destiny or your restored walk with God. If you're a Christian this morning, stretch forth your hand like that man. Your life's a bit withered. It's shriveled. Stretch up your hand. Say, Lord, today, I don't want lack in my life. I don't want holes. I don't want to be eaten away. I want restoration. God will do it. Hands still going up. Yes, thank you. You can put them down and we're going to pray now because our time is gone. And church, can I ask you to pray out loud with me? All of us are going to pray out loud in the room. And especially if you raised your hand, let's pray like this. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, 
our Lord and Savior. We put our trust in Him today for the restoration of our relationship with You. Lord Jesus, we believe in You. Come into our lives. Make us children of God. Restore what's been lost in our lives. Fill us with Your presence and remove the holes. We put our hope in You. Work in us today. Save us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 